Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who have experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week we are talking about narrative therapy. My name is Emily Mitchell and I am the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center. With me today I have Alexa and Dino. Alexa is our therapy intern here at the VSC. She is currently obtaining her master's degree in clinical mental health counseling at UCF and would like to focus on working with survivors of sexual abuse during her clinical journey. Alexa, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I also have Natalie Summers. Natalie is currently a contract therapist with the Victim Service Center specializing in trauma-informed care, utilizing various and diverse person-centered interventions. She finds connecting with others through their story can direct the therapeutic healing process. Natalie, thank you as well for being here. Thank you. I'm excited as well. Awesome. So, you know, as a brief introduction, at times on this podcast, we talk about different forms of therapy, such as music therapy and art therapy, and how they are used to help survivors of trauma specifically. So what we are looking to explore in this episode is what is narrative therapy? What does it look like and how can it be beneficial for survivors of trauma and sexual violence? So with that in mind, Alexa, I wanted to start off with you. Um, What is narrative therapy? So narrative therapy is a collaborative approach with the client and the therapist that helps the client gain control of their own life. It's an approach that's going to separate the problem or issue the client is coming into with therapy apart from the client. So in clearer terms, the problem is going to be the problem and the client is no longer the problem. It's more of a newer approach to therapy that says the way we interpret events is this story that we continue to tell ourselves. So for instance, if we were abused, we might tell ourselves that we are the one to blame. And and if we didn't put ourselves in these situations, this wouldn't have never have happened. So we constantly are filling our heads with these negative cognitions and Narrative therapy works to discover these negative stories and help the client turn them from negative to positive with the help of a therapist. So it is allowing the client to search for a new meaning in their life. And I like to think about it as a book where your title of the book shouldn't be called My Abuse or Victim of Sexual Abuse. It should be a book title that has more meaning to it. Abuse should be only a small chapter of that book and it does not define the whole book, which is the client's life. 
I love that. So um, I don't know too much about, you know, as an education coordinator, I'm not in depth with therapy, but I, but I do know a little bit about like positive reframing. So is that kind of what narrative therapy is doing? Yes, it's definitely a positive psychology form of therapy that is really going to flip the negative to the positive in the person's life. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I actually wanted to throw the question over to you, Natalie. Um, you know, what is narrative therapy? Anything else you'd like to add on to that? Um, it's just as Alexa said, but it also is a, a therapeutic approach to have the person to separate or externalize their problem or issue instead of internalizing it. Um, just as everyone's perspective is really their reality, a person's experience is really based on their relational interactions, conversations, and situations that then becomes their own story and is the basis for meaning for them. So through storytelling, um, a person is not just conveying information, but they're also conveying connections or disconnections they may have had to others in situations um, and identifying those views related. Um, narrative therapy guides a person into changing from a problem saturated scenario, which is focusing on their difficulties into a more productive thinking, feeling and behavior method. Got it. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm already learning so much about narrative <laughs> therapy. <laughs> so I really appreciate that because I've actually never heard of it before. Um, so I'm really excited to have this conversation. So Alexa, I really wanted to ask you, what gravitated you to practice and study narrative therapy? So going through my master's program that I'm going through now, I learned about narrative therapy and it really resonated with me because as a survivor of sexual abuse myself, I noticed that I actually experienced a form of narrative therapy myself as someone, you know, who has worked through their own abuse. And I've become passionate about helping others who have gone through traumatic experiences. And, you know, this passion just didn't happen overnight. You know, I felt that I was the victim after my abuse. And I slowly started to rewrite my own life that I did not let my abuse define my life, you know, and a narrative therapist's role is to help the client change, you know, their perspective. From victim to survivor. So when I started to learn about narrative therapy, I found the beauty of, you know, taking power and building resilience to create your own meaning in your life, despite any abuse someone has gone through. I believe that, you know, we're all going through traumatic experiences and that choosing not to let the abuse define you is a powerful decision to make. And I just love the idea that narrative therapy stands for those principles as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. And of course, for sharing your story. I really appreciate that. Natalie, I wanted to ask, you know, um, so we, you know, we're talking a little bit about what narrative is on the, the surface narrative therapy, but I'd like to know if you would be able to walk us through what a session using narrative therapy would actually look like with a client. A session in narrative therapy would be very collaborative, similar to like what Alexa said. So it would be very collaborative between the client and the therapist. Uh, the client is sharing a story or a situation or a problem connected to their very own life. And oftentimes, even when we are asking different questions, they often depict it in their own story. So the therapist would then assist the client in becoming the expert or the author of their story rather than focusing on that specific problem or issue. Um, I often remind them that they are only the only person that is walking in their shoes and that although they have various impacts and different scenarios that may very much 
um, develop that, but they are really the author. And so sometimes even when they may not have that strength, just having certain questions and things to go about it, it helps to motivate and empower them to uh, modify behaviors for different outcomes. A therapist, for instance, we may ask um, some exploratory questions um, such as what effects does that problem or scenario have on your life? Um, how long has this been problematic? And what do you think about the effects the problem is having on your life? So these are kind of exploratory nudging questions that even though, even if they're in the midst of the story, it's not modifying or taking away or adding to their story. It's just giving the therapist a different perspective that you can glean from. Um, and also oftentimes someone is focused on the current or the more recent problematic scenario or behavior. Um, and especially in, when we're working with um, victims of trauma, they may and may not recognize that childhood behaviors have often led to these repetitive problems or patterns. And so with clients who have experienced trauma, allowing them to share of past childhood experiences, but not necessarily being triggered, it automatically puts them in a place that they allows them to have a voice. Whereas sometimes as children, we aren't allowed to even have a voice or it may appear that our, our position doesn't matter. So even with them being able to um, share their story or have a voice, other questions could be as you reflect on this, what story or narrative were you telling yourself at that time? And then reflecting back to that and knowing what you know now, what would you retell yourself differently? And so that's allowing them to have the voice in their childhood experience as well as relative to today. So it sounds like you're almost taking that story and looking at it from like a third person perspective together, you and the therapist. That's really amazing. And it is important because especially as childhood sexual abuse survivors, um, you don't have a voice. So re-looking at it must be a really powerful moment for a client. So I really appreciate you breaking that down. Yeah, um, I also, you know, really enjoy, you know, seeing how it's really going to be talking about the past, present, and future. You know, even though it's a present theory of talking about the present, it's going to also go into your past. And it's also going to talk about, you know, what do you expect to, for your future? So I do like that it does go into all elements, you know, of one person's life rather than just focusing on one thing. Perfect. And also to kind of add to that, it oftentimes, like when we bring in our childhood experiences, even if it, even if it hasn't been someone that has recognized some childhood traumas, just a lot of times because we were silenced um, in our childhood or we felt like we were silenced even during those developmental stages when we we're trying to identify ourselves, it often, when you validate that, it often empowers them for like, like she said, the, the current present, but also for the future. So it, it ties it all together, but it allows them to tell their story without modifying anything about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Alexa, so with that being said, you know, us now understanding kind of the process of a narrative therapy session and what it does for clients, how can narrative therapy be used to help survivors of sexual abuse specifically? I know we kind of went into it a little bit, but if you had anything else you'd like to share on that. Yeah, I'd like to definitely add that, you know, many survivors of sexual abuse are going to experience common feelings of shame, guilt, and blame because of the abuse. 
Um, most of the time when someone is abused, they make meaning of this experience. This becomes the dominant story that they tell about their lives. You know, the shame, guilt, and blame is constantly reinforced with survivors of sexual abuse. So with narrative therapy, it's going to be a non-blaming approach that has narrative therapists emphasize with their clients and honor and listen to their clients' stories. You know, when Natalie was talking about, you know, finally being heard after being silenced, you know, narrative therapy makes sure that that person is heard and that they do tell their story. So, you know, after this story is listened to and honored and that report is built, the narrative therapist will listen, you know, to the ex these exceptions of that shame, guilt and blame and help the client form a new dominant story that is more positive and that will help them feel that they can survive this event and move forward. So when you say the word positive, what, what does that mean in a, in a therapeutic sense? Exactly. At least for me, and I know Natalie can add on to this as well as her perspective, but for me, positive is more, you know, something that's going to have you move forward and it's not going to have you be stuck, you know, in this role that you are going to be the victim your whole life you know, that you're going to move forward and that you're going to find meaning in a way that you're going to decide what the meaning is and no event is going to do that. Um, just to kind of piggyback on that a little bit, um, just to look at it in terms, and sometimes even when we, we mention the terms negative versus positive, that may come out with different connotation to different people. So I also like to include having a healthier and more productive meaning towards their growth process. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for clearing that up. I really appreciate it. So Natalie, I wanted to ask specifically, you know, what are the benefits of narrative therapy? And are there any gaps to narrative therapy or any negatives? Um, now that we're talking about positive <laughs> and negatives, oops. Uh, right. <laughs> any negatives you would like to address that um, narrative therapy comes with? Well, one of the things I, I like to kind of throw out is that the problem is the problem and the person is not the problem. So helping to helping a person or a client to recognize the separation of they do not own a title or they do not necessarily take that ownership um, internal and not allow it to define them. So the benefits would include the allowance of a person to make space and separate themselves from that problem. By externalizing an issue, a person is able to somewhat develop a more self, to develop more self-compassion, thus leading to increased confidence um, for change and life modifications. Narrative therapy also opens up um, various views to the context of the story, such as a macro versus a micro, meaning looking at a larger social scale and then more individualizing it for themselves for consideration. Um, one of the other benefits is it's a very cultural sensitive theoretical approach um, when working with diverse populations. Not everyone, sometimes there, there may be language or um, terminology or different things that goes go across. And as someone is talking and sharing their story, you're able to pick up on certain things, but it also allows the therapist to provide a non-judgmental environment that could be misconstrued or misconceptions and developed around the, the client's problematic truths. Um, understanding their meaning and not necessarily 
going from an assumption, which a therapist should never do, but sometimes different terminologies and different concepts or different senses of normalcy, so to speak, um, sometimes drive that. And so in narrative therapy, as the person is telling their story and owning it, um, that thinking provides the, pro the counselor a way to consistently provide services to take their cultural differences or similarities into respect. And not to be too wordy or narrative in form, but some of the gaps sometimes are recognized because it is very open. It may not appear very direct. Um, so it's, it is definitely not something that could be incorporated in every scenario or situation. So a therapist creates a, a comfortable and trusting space and environment, but also they have to recognize if they need to be a little more direct and where someone can get long-winded, so to speak, or realizing in a client-driven approach, um, the principles are relative to the client's insight. And so sometimes that can pose as not necessarily a negative, but things that the therapist may deem may be problematic, that may not be problematic to the client. So allowing them to really identify what is problematic to them and allow them to have their own desires and insight drive towards their growth and their um, healing. So that's where a gap may come in. Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I really appreciate you breaking all that down. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. It's, it's really kind of giving narrative therapy more of those um, dimensions that I needed to kind of conceptualize to understand because therapy can be very confusing <laughs> sometimes. Yes. So I really appreciate you yeah. both breaking it down for me. Um, so for Alexa, I had another question about, you know, speaking of the different facets of therapy, you know, I always like to bring up this question. If there's any, you know, common misconceptions to narrative therapy that you wanted to address. Yeah, in all, in all honesty, the general population does not know much information about narrative therapy. I know, Emily, you said it was your first time hearing about narrative therapy, and I didn't hear about it until I was in school. You know, I feel like it's a newer approach to therapy, and mainly only therapists know about it. Um, and only a small fraction of therapists decide to practice it and feel like it resonates with them. Um, it is one of the main therapy approaches, actually, in Australia, where it was developed, and that's where a lot of research is, but it's slowly growing in the United States. So, you know, one, uh, you know, downside of it is we don't have as much research of narrative therapy and how well it is, you know, in the United States, just because it is not talked about as much. So I wouldn't know if there were any misconceptions about it because it's just not talked about. So I'm wondering, you know, from you, Natalie, if you've heard any other misconceptions from other therapists. Not so much of a misconception, um, but more of, um, I dare say, myth. So similar to like what I said, when there's a more direct driven approach or direct um, modality that appears that it may be just as beneficial. So if someone is sharing their story and or they may get triggered, then you may feel more inclined to direct um, and be more direct in your approach. And so sometimes some therapists, um, I've even heard where they may not be as open to narrative therapy because they feel like it's storytelling. And so my take on that is, well, everybody has their own story. And unless we kind of allow for that space, um, and it's not that every, every session is a storytell, 
but every person lives out a story every single day and every single minute. And so to sometimes create that space for them. Um, so it's more of kind of the misguided or misconception around how to utilize it. Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much. That makes a lot of sense. I also wanted to ask you, Natalie, you know, do you find that narrative therapy might not be helpful for all victims of trauma? For example, could it be triggering for survivors depending on what step in their healing journey that they're on? Um, and that is exactly like what I was saying. Sometimes um, as they're even like when I mentioned earlier, when we're going back to childhood or we're trying to bring different story perspectives into play, that could be very um triggering for them, but also a therapist must utilize their wise therapeutic judgment to recognize if the, the direction or the intensity may be too much for their client. Um, but also to the beauty of the technique is the therapist is allowing space for the client to tell their story at their own pace. And so once you recognize that something is very triggering or it may seem intense, you can then introduce or bring about something where they may need to de-escalate or and or bring in a different modality. So it also empowers them to own this space and take advantage of being able to share at their pace, but at, on, the, on their own terms as well. Yeah. And, you know, to add on to that, you know, I feel like, you know, giving them their own space is so important. And it's something with narrative therapy is that they actually incorporate a lot of letter writing and journaling within the therapy practice and with telling your story. So I have some clients who they feel more powerful and they feel more comfortable writing their story on a piece of paper or journaling it. And, you know, by writing these letters, they're able to feel more comfortable telling their story than actually vocalizing it. So that's one way too, where they can gain power and also at their own pace as well. I love that. And you know, at the VSC, what's really important to always highlight is that all of our services are individualized, just like narrative therapy too. So it seems like it really depends on the individual. It's really survivor focused. And that's wonderful to hear. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Alexa, I wanted to ask, what is your favorite component of narrative therapy? I'm not sure if we already went over it, but I was wondering if you had a favorite component. So my favorite component of narrative therapy is seeing the growth of the client move from being a victim to a survivor. So I believe that it's important to be a victim right after the event happens. But if your whole life you see yourself as a victim, I believe that it can be really difficult, you know, to move on from the event. So many of my clients come in with so much pain and it's beautiful to see when a client is able to regain that power to take control of their own life. And I do see that as that survivor in themselves, you know, the meaning of one's life can look different, you know, for everyone. So it's great to see what the client chooses as their meaning and how they're going to move forward from their abuse. I love that answer. Thank you so much. You make it sound like, like, it's really a journey, you know, it really is that healing journey. And it seems like narrative therapy is kind of taking them on that journey. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Uh, Natalie, I had a question for you. Are there any similar therapy types I know a lot of times therapists kind of combine different um, styles and different forms of therapy. So are there any similar therapy types that would work well in tandem with narrative therapy? I believe so. So I, um, 
I often infuse, I like to use that word, narrative therapy kind of throughout. So the principles of narr narrative therapy are very easily incorporated into other and varying therapeutic interventions um, as, the ther as the therapist and client allow for that alliance. Um, as a trauma-informed care specialist, I um, initially lead with CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And so I often lead with some of those techniques to understand a client's um, current insight and their relational functionality. And it often leads, a question leads into storytelling. It may not lead into like just a Q&A scenario, but it often leads into them telling their story. And that is actually how I became uh, more adept to practicing narrative therapy because allowing them to tell their story, but then as a therapist to be able to glean from that. And so with those techniques and infusing the relational functioning element of it, a client begins to share their story and they connect various situations, events, and people. And it is very beneficial to incorporate those techniques of narrative therapy to allow for them to encourage and actually offer their own personal voice to something. And so oftentimes I utilize strength-based therapy in tandem to assist uh, with building confidence and empowering strong assertive communication skills as well. And so it is, it is often beneficial where not even as a therapist, sometimes are we recognizing that we're pulling from different tools and different modalities, but as they are telling their story, it is very much taking it from different scenarios and different approaches. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I hear a lot about CBT. Um, it seems like it's a very good trauma-focused uh, form of therapy. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So Alexa, I had a question for you as well. You know, why should therapists learn more about narrative therapy? And what would you say to a therapist who is hesitant to try narrative therapy? Yeah, I would definitely tell a therapist, you know, the reason why to learn more about narrative therapy is that it's an approach that's going to put your clients as the experts. And this changes the dynamic of a regular therapeutic approach. You know, with regular therapy, when people go into a session, they think that the therapist has all the answers and that, you know, there's this power struggle, you know, within a session. And with narrative therapy, narrative therapists tell their clients that they are the expert of their own lives. They're the ones who walk in their shoes every day. And by allowing the clients to be the experts in the room, it allows them to be in control for once. And this can slowly allow them to realize that they have a sense of control of their own lives. So I would definitely encourage clients to, you know, research more into narrative therapy and see what clients they believe would be a great fit for this practice. You know, I believe every therapist is entitled to their own approach. But since this approach is not talked about all often, I ask, you know, just to make, I, I ask just to become more familiar and educated with narrative therapy, because it is a theoretical approach that is growing. And it has shown to really help others, especially with survivors of sexual abuse. I love that because I talk about this all the time in my trainings. Sexual violence is really a crime of power and control where someone is taking someone else's power or exerting their power over them. And it sounds like narrative therapy would really benefit survivors who have gone through that kind of taking power back. And we'll talk a little bit about empowerment as well and how it is 
factored into it. But the way that you beautifully described it, I can definitely see why it's very helpful for survivors of sexual violence specifically and survivors of any kind of trauma. So I appreciate that. Natalie, I had a question for you. As the survivor is retelling their story, as uh, you both have been so wonderfully um, explaining, how does this therapist guide them without telling their story for them? Um, just as Alexa and I both indicated, we allow them to be the expert and let them know that they are truly the author of their, their story. And although a situation may have impacted them, um, that they still have kind of the right to rewrite it. And so the therapist can utilize their own active listening skills, um, noticing when a client is making implicit or explicit references to, to the problematic areas of the story. Um, the therapist then kind of hones in on um, by asking questions that would invite the client to step into the events and share elements that bring insight and meaning to those events. So not so much of guiding them or directing away from the story, but just asking questions that you're exploring more and or that would open them up to share a little bit more and to um, allow meaning behind the relevance of that story and the connection. Um, often the therapist has heard a pattern and or a narrative that has continued to be problematic and that is it may not be so obvious to the client. For instance, they're like, why does this always happen to me? Or I don't know why it always seems like. And so something like that is most powerful when you're able to come to, they're able to come to their own self-awareness. So not answering that question, but allowing them to tell the story and answer it gives them such an aha moment that they're then able to be motivated and empower themselves going towards the modification changes. I love that. It's more of a guiding than, you know, a leading, Correct. right? That makes Correct. a lot of sense. And you, you used two terms here that I just wanted to break down a little bit. You talked about implicit and explicit. So um, do you, can you break those down a little bit more sure. of what you might mean by that? Sure. So an implicit reference is more of, like I said, I, um, I'm always doing this or more internal as opposed to they always do this to me. So where it's, it's implicit meaning it's more implied of a reference directly to, to the owner or to the client or to myself, so to speak, um, versus where, you know, someone is always doing this and or they do that to me all the time. So it's looking at it from a perspective of my ownership and whether I'm connected internally or if I feel like I'm the victim of it. So just being able to, to hear in and hone in if they're in more of a victim mode and or if they're leading or in going towards or in survivor mode. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for breaking that down. I forgot all those terms. I did take psychology in yeah. college, but it's been a while. Um, so I appreciate that. So Alexa, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, you're we talking about power and control earlier. So how can someone gain the power to rewrite their own story? And I think we definitely touched on it, but if there's anything else you wanted to delve deeper into. Yeah, it's definitely something that's going to take time. And, you know, I really want to tell, you know, the viewers that are listening that, you know, your story is going to look different from someone else. And, 
you know, once a client chooses to create a meaning of their life that doesn't see them as just the victim to the assault is when the client is already gaining that power. You know, when a client is already deciding that they don't want to be like this and anymore and they want to go and seek out help, they're already taking power in that way. So when we ask clients to, you know, identify goals or motivations and think about times in their life where they're able to be the narrator of their own life and take control. You know, we like to use these factors and help the client realize that they can be resilient and they can rewrite their own story, that there is more to life than the abuse. So the therapist's job is to walk alongside the client, but the client's still leading in a way where the therapist is going to point out those exceptions where the client's presenting issue wasn't there and that they were able to succeed and help point out this these factors to the client that, you know, they can gain powers. It's all about this positive reinforcement and shifting the blame off the client. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. And as um, we've talked a lot before, there is a lot of victim blaming associated with survivors of trauma. And so shifting that blame is so, so powerful and so important to put that back onto where it belongs, which is the abuser and the perpetrator. So I really appreciate that too. Natalie, I wanted to ask, I just have a couple of more questions here. How does empowerment come into play as a survivor tells their story through narrative therapy? I would say is as they're gaining a different internal meaning from the victimization or from their or separating the occurrence from um, themselves, I would I would hone into the therapist very much so, like you said, collaborating and walking alongside them and allowing them that power and where it plays out in the therapeutic session or in a therapeutic office um, where they're able to really feel empowered to tell their story or maybe someone is actually listening and or is rewriting it. So key elements of their own inner strength and their wisdom, but also reflecting on the positivity and validating and highlighting those modified perspectives. So oftentimes, even when they're sharing a story or they are able to reflect back and see that they're even looking at it through a different lens, they're able to to pick up on something. And then just as you immediately, as you see that, kind of validate them and help give some reflective thought and not necessarily reframing it, but giving them that strength and that boost to say, look at what you just recognized and giving them some self-awareness. And so oftentimes just validating that empowers them to continue and to motivate themselves to, to go a little further. Perfect. Thank you so much for breaking that down. So I just have a final question for you, Alexa. Do you have any advice you would like to share for survivors who may be afraid to share their story? Yes, definitely. And, you know, one thing I really want to point out is that you're going to decide when you want to share your story. It's going to look different for everyone. And for me, I know I disclosed earlier about my abuse. And for me, it took me 10 years to share my story. So I want, you know, everyone to be compassionate that it's going to take some time. And for some people, you know, it might be shorter than others. And, you know, I really, you know, want survivors to understand that that they can advocate for themselves and work with your therapist and be honest about being scared about sharing your story. I have a lot of clients who we have many sessions and they don't tell me their story right away. And that's definitely okay. You know, your therapist is going to 
understand where you're coming from and it's going to work with you to gain your trust and build this safe therapeutic environment for you to feel safe to tell your story when it does come. So, you know, just knowing that you can choose when you're ready and that moment will feel right when it's time and you'll just know that this is the time to claim my voice back. So just be compassionate with yourself and be patient knowing that your healing journey is going to look different from someone else's. Thank you so much. And I always like to point out that I think it takes an average of our clients eight years to share their story as well. So you're definitely not alone, just like Alexa was was sharing. So yes, I, I love everything that you said, be compassionate. And, and, and I also love that you mentioned that you don't have to share it right away. I think when we think of therapy, we, we think of, okay, go ahead now, right? So it's really important to know that you're in control of, of the session. So I, I appreciate that too. Natalie, as a final question to you, do you have any success stories that you would actually like to share? Um, I would. I had an adult client who was part of the foster system early in childhood, and they were adopted at age eight. And so through them sharing different stories about relationships and decisions that were based on their feelings of fear and neglect and abandonment, along with blame and sadness, Although we were, they came in and we were focused on trauma by me asking about questions around their childhood, it led through different commonalities. And so although I may not have pointed that out, I just kept that in mind. And then through narrative therapy techniques, the client was able to identify some common negative negative narrative things um, that resorted to things like, I'm not good enough, or this always happens to me, or it's, it was my fault and that this happened. And so just by exploring the questions around the healing part of that, but also leading with various questions and various insight, it allowed them their own insight without me telling their story, uh, but various insight as well towards focusing on showing up for themselves. So not whereas it's they felt abandoned, but where they actually showed up for themselves, which empowered them to have self-compassion, but also accomplishments and internal strengths. So I invited the client to provide a more productive and positively meaning, meaningful statement, uh, not changing the original narrative, but let's see if you can come up with a different scenario where you just kind of shared based on some of these own findings. Um, so early situations do not define me is what they came up with and or um, I am more than capable to do A, B, C and D or I am the author of my story and I decide the chapters. And so I really like that because they recognize while they we see, we keep saying narratives and stories is as if they're writing a book. And so they were able to put it into chapters for themselves, but also recognize the story's not over. And so this changed the entire mindset and allowed them to be more motivated to recognize I'm not going to focus on the ne negative narrative, but I am still writing my story. And it was in a whole different mindset and mentality, but it also changed their behaviors, their feelings, as well as their behaviors. And so that is a overall success story that I was very proud of. And I think they were even more proud of themselves because it is if they came into this conclusion themselves and I was just a facilitator for them. 
I love that. That, that I love the the whole journey that we were able to see there. You painted a picture so beautifully. Um, I think that's a wonderful place to sign off. But before I do, is there anything that either you, Natalie, or you, Alexa, would like to add about narrative therapy before we say goodbye? I would just like to encourage therapists to to have, be open-minded about it and to see how they could possibly incorporate various aspects of it to to assist um, clients to to take back that that ownership and take back that 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 power. Um, because it, it can quickly be done by just allowing ourselves to have an ear, to be that ear for them. Yeah, I, got, I definitely agree with Natalie. You know, it's doing more research, being more educated. You know, it's a lot newer approach and it's a newer approach that a lot of people aren't familiar with. But just understand the power that it does have and the power that it can give to our clients is something that's really important to have. Wonderful. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful place to sign off here. So I want to thank you, the listener, for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. The VSC is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for victims of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org. And to everyone listening, healing is not linear and you are not alone. And thank you so much, Alexa and Natalie, for joining me today. Thank you, Thank you so you much. For Thank, you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.